Welcome to the WWC podcast, Winning with Connections. In this podcast, we talk to Bessa Pinchotti, the executive director and CEO of the National Military Family Association in honor of April's Month of the Military Child. We talk on the podcast about the remarkable programs and advocacy that NMFA has been doing for over 50 years. And we get to hear a little bit about a new program that is now under the NMFA umbrella that is specific and focused on teens and teen mental health. So here we go. So today we have Bessa Pinchotti, the executive director of National Military Family Association. And I will say that NMFA is near and dear to my heart, not only because of the work that they do, but actually, and Bessa, I'm not sure if I've ever told you this story or not, but the previous executive director of NMFA was one of the only people who, in as we were starting our, our nonprofit ourselves, in gear career, sat down with us and actually literally was like, okay, let me help you. And so Joyce Razor was a, is still a remarkable advocate for military families and just possibly one of the nicest, like one of the best women in this community for bringing up other women and bringing up other military spouses to make them successful instead of kind of holding them at bay. So I have always been a huge fan of of NMFA from the outset and was so excited when you were named executive director. So welcome, Bessa. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. And I love that we're starting with some Joyce love because I recently <laughs> gave her a new name and it's Joyce the Powerhouse Razor because she really gets things done, always has. She's a mentor. She's a friend. And, and like you said, she's an incredible ally to women and really lifts us up. Unreal. I, she is also just hilarious on, on top of it. <laughs> also that. Makes everything just easier to stomach when things are flying around. Um, so, so tell me, what is NMFA? What is the history? It is a remarkable organization and, and really first of its kind and, and the powerhouse for military family advocacy for decades at this point. Can you tell me a little bit about the history? Absolutely. In 1969, so more than 50 years ago, some military spouses were sitting around their kitchen table talking about the fact that their friends whose loved ones, whose service member died in Vietnam, weren't being taken care of. And these women just couldn't believe that that was happening. So they marched up to Capitol Hill. They put on their white gloves. You can get the visual in your head. And they went door to door until the survivor benefit plan was passed two years later. So those were our early beginnings. And that is definitely the core of what we do is that advocacy on the Hill. But since then, NMFA has turned into more than advocacy. We see it as a three-pronged approach. We have our research and our insights where we're talking to families and we're finding out what's happening in their lives. And then we do two things. The first is those programs that support families in that moment. And then the second is that long-term advocacy to make change that will affect the entire community. Uh, and, and truly, I mean, we have, you know, we we started Homefront Rising, gosh, eight, nine years ago now. I don't even know. And Joyce was one of the first people that we called to say, okay, we're talking about advocacy in the military spouse community. 
you are um, an NMFA as a whole, but but her as the at the as the executive director at the time, you are the epitome of how spouses can make change, meaningful, lasting, real change around military policy and military family policy. It really is remarkable to see how you guys, what you've had influence on and how the military has been strengthened by your advocacy. Yeah, thank you for saying that. You know, the thing that I've learned over the years being here at NMFA is that advocacy is a lot more accessible than a lot of people think. It seems like a big Mm -hmm. word and something that happens on Capitol Hill. But it was definitely Joyce in those early days, I've been here for eight years now, who was talking to me about how advocacy really starts in your own home, in your own community, in your own school, and you being an advocate for your own kids, which is how most of us get our start in the advocacy business, doing that and then realizing that you can do more. Yeah, and it it really is having walked around the, the halls of the Capitol building and talking to congressmen and women, talking to senators, talking to staffers, it is remarkable how much they want to hear you and how much they want to listen. And they're looking for that feedback. And I think you're right. It's really intimidating to think about until you actually start doing it. And then it's, wait, this actually, this does change things. It really, they're looking for that feedback. It's absolutely true. And when we talk about those women who were at the kitchen table and marched up to the Capitol, we call them our foremothers affectionately, because that's kind of how we see ourselves now, whether it's here at the state capitol, at a state capitol anywhere in the U.S., whether it's here in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. actually on Capitol Hill, whether it's at a school board meeting in our community or on a Zoom call, which is what we're often doing now when we're fighting for change. It's really something that can happen anywhere, and your voice truly does matter. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, there's there's a great story Jocelyn Benson, who's a military spouse, who is now Secretary of State in Michigan and just got awarded the uh, Profiles in Courage from the Kennedy Foundation, really started a lot of her kind of activism, her I mean, you know, lawyers, brilliant, youngest dean of a law school, whatever, but started when her husband couldn't vote while he was deployed overseas and said, wait a second, this can't be this hard. And now is one of the most recognizable and one of those powerful secretaries of state in one of the largest states and one of the most influential states because she started with the fact that, hey, wait a second, voting is a is a fundamental right and my military member can't vote. So, I mean, it, it's amazing that even at the highest levels, some of that advocacy starts with just a recognition that personally this affects me. And if it affects me, it affects a whole lot more people. And so often it's just recognizing that small thing that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, who who should vote more than our military? Those votes mean so much. And so I think you're so right. It's just sometimes bringing the attention to something that makes no sense, but no one's ever really identified as a problem is the first step. So you guys do a lot. What are your, so you've got all the advocacy and we can talk a little bit about kind of what your main advocacy points right now are, what the pain points that you're working on now are, but you also have some other programs that are really remarkable as well. Can you talk to me about some of your programs? 
For sure. Our two core program areas are our military spouse scholarship and employment program, and then our Operation Purple program. Military spouses, I don't have to tell you, Lauren, I know that you employ so many military spouses, but it's it's tough to maintain your career through all of those different military moves and through all of the things that happen with separations, deployment, military life in general. The resume can look choppy. The education, same thing. So we have these military spouse scholarships to support military spouses so that they can be a part of supporting and maintaining their family's financial well-being. And those scholarships are for all kinds of things. It could be for a bachelor's degree. It could be for a master's, a PhD, but it could also be for a license or a certification that military spouses often have to renew when they move to new duty stations. Or it could be entrepreneurial fees if for military spouses who are starting their own businesses or trying to keep them afloat and grow them through the moves and changes of military life. So that's one program area. The other one is our Operation Purple program. And I'm especially excited to talk about this right now because it's April and it's month of the military child. And I'm sitting here dressed in all purple, which is the color that we use to celebrate military kids. But our Operation Purple program is camps and retreats all over the country that support military kids of all ages and families. The camps are a time for military kids to just be kids. They can forget about the problems of day-to-day life and just have fun in nature and be around kids who understand the military life that they're living. We also have the family retreats for those who are either dealing with a deployment at the moment, they have an upcoming deployment, and then healing adventures, which are specifically for those families who have a wounded, ill, or injured service member in their family. And of course, pandemic sped some things up for us that we'd been planning, but we now have a virtual version of our Operation Purple program. It's called Operation Purple at Home. And it's a really great opportunity for kids who live overseas, kids who are PCSing across the country, kids who have specific medical needs and maybe don't feel comfortable going to to camp. So we really try to serve each and every military kid, if not in person, then through that virtual opportunity. That to me is is one of the best things that you guys do. You know, there's a lot you do, and I, I don't want to highlight only one, but but that Operation Purple, I've heard so many campers have so many great experiences with it. And so, you know, and kids being supported in camping is something that I, I, I'm a huge believer in, so I, I'm glad you guys are doing it. So in terms of advocacy, as we, as we started the conversation around what, are the big issues facing military families that you guys are tackling at this point? Well, there's a lot of things going on in in military life right now. I think we're all watching everything that's happening, you know, in Eastern Europe and how that's impacting families. Mm -hmm. We, We talk about it being a cumulative effect. It's just more stress and more anxiety and more unknown. And then meanwhile, you're trying to go through the motions. You're going to work every day. You're getting your kids to school every day. So it's really taking a toll mental health wise. That's absolutely something that we're paying attention to. And we know that there are issues with both access to mental health support and also financially paying for that support. We know about Things have been very tough lately for so many families. The food insecurity numbers among our military community are awful. I would go so far as to call them disgraceful. I mean, military families take care of this country every day, and so many of them are accessing food pantries 
and even worse, maybe not accessing the food pantry and just not having what they need to make ends meet and feed their family. So those, I would say, are some of the key issues, that mental health, that food insecurity, and just kind of managing the day-to-day with all of the stresses and the unknowns. So in terms of, you know, there's a, lo- there's a lot of ways for people to either access your your programs very clearly on, on your website, you know, through, I'm sure, all of your social. I, I, I know your communications director and I know how good she is at social. So uh, so I, I know there are multiple ways to access the programs. How can, coming from my home front rising hat and all the things that we did around advocacy, how can military spouses get engaged through you guys or elsewhere on the issues that that face them? How do they bring up an issue to you guys to help them with? How do they how do they help you get those things noticed by the, the right people? Absolutely. There's two ways that you could help. The first is by sharing your own personal story. That is so critical. When we talk to policymakers, that's what they want to hear. They want to yeah. hear how the things we're talking about are affecting real families. That's one. The second one is by supporting the military community. There's so much you can do, whether it's writing a letter to a congressperson working with our government relations team to make things happen on the Hill or in local governments. There's just a ton you can do. And as far as how to engage, we are available in all the ways. So our website, (laughs) militaryfamily.org, and it's family singular because we see ourselves as one big military family. It's militaryfamily.org. You can also fill out a form there. There's a place where you can tell your story. You can reach out to us on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Find me personally on LinkedIn, and I would absolutely love to talk to you. In fact, people do that all the time. They say, hey, you know, the most recent one was a foreign-born military spouse who was just struggling to kind of figure out life here as a military spouse and a mom with kids. And we had a talk with her. We're able to connect her with some resources. And I would love to do that for anyone who reaches out. This military community is, I mean, I I joke around about, the the only way that I get through the day is through with my village and the people who support me. But, and I've got plenty of different communities that I kind of fall into, but the military community and particularly the military spouse community is one that is so remarkably strong that if you can engage in it, right, there's, there's plenty of people who don't know how to, or don't feel comfortable doing it or are in the reserves and therefore don't have as much continuity with the community. But when you've got a military spouse community, to me, that has been the community that is the best at cheering for you, the best at not kind of undercutting you, the best at at being there when everything falls apart, but also, again, the best at celebrating when things are going right. And and I I kind of got adopted into this community as a as a pseudo military spouse since my husband was military before I met him. And and is now civilian with the military, I got adopted in and and you guys kind of wave me into it. But it has been the best, most remarkable community I've been a part of. And I really appreciate the support. So I am hoping that most people within the community can somehow access that village, that support system somehow. And and NMFA can be part of, of doing that, certainly. I agree with that. And you know, Lauren, once you're in the military community and especially the spouse community, you're always in it, whether it was, you know, whether you got married after or before or during, it really doesn't matter. Once you're in it, you're always in it. And we all wrap our our arms around each other 
you know, we had an event this month uh, in celebration of month of military child. We were yes. focused on military teens. And it's not just the individuals who are so supportive of trying to take care of this community. There were other organizations, nonprofits, partners all over the country sending messages that day of encouragement and also what can we do together messages. We read your report on military teens. How can we better support their mental health? What can we do together about food and security. And that's the other thing I love about this community. It's not, you know, the competitive vibe that you may see in a lot of other industries. It's really a supportive, let's lift each other up and let's lift this community up vibe. Yeah, that was, that was really cool to see. And I'm so sad that I couldn't actually make it to DC for the event this week, but that was really cool to see all of the pictures coming out of all the different organizations and the people posting about the support for NMFA that could, you know, not really, but could be competitive in funding, in access, in visibility. And instead, all of them were, you know, 100% behind NMFA and the work that they're doing, because you guys are always 100% behind the work that, you know, the Dole Foundation is doing, or you know, AUSA and, and, and all the stuff they do on spouse requirements and employment and, and what have you. There are so many organizations out there, but you're right. It does feel very much non-competitive and, and very supportive, just like, and it's not ideal, right? It's not perfect, but, but just like the, the spouse community can be incredibly supportive. You're right. The, the nonprofit community around military is, is incredibly supportive and stronger together, which is pretty cool. Definitely. I'd love to talk about a small piece of our community with a really big voice too. Yeah. This is thing that we announced at the event and I know you've heard about, but I'd love to share it more broadly. There's this community of military teens called Bloom, Empowering the Military Teen. And it was created by Elena Ashburn and Matthew O two military teens who had a really tough PCS, a really tough military move, and they felt alone. So they created this community of support at first to help themselves, but then to grow it more broadly. And now it's thousands and thousands of teens strong. They share stories. They share content. They get together every Friday for what they call Bloom Zooms. And we've done work with them at NMFA to elevate their voice through these surveys where we've surveyed military teens and finding out more about what's going on in their lives and also working with them to better develop our programs for military teens. Well, the exciting news is as this um, organization's leaders are jumping off into college, they don't <laughs> want to let this go. So we welcomed them home into the NMFA family. So Bloom is now a part of NMFA while those leaders go off and, you know, figure out what's ahead for them in life. And we help support that community, make sure it continues to be there and that teens keep supporting teens and that we all keep supporting them through our programming and through our advocacy. That's amazing. Leave it to a military kid to turn around and be like, there's a problem here. Nobody's going okay. to fix it. Okay, I got it. No problem. That's amazing. I saw that. I saw the announcement, but I didn't know the full story behind it. That's unreal and good on them for saying, hey, look, I can't continue to do this at particularly like the levels they've grown it. I mean, that's remarkable to, to start out 
just to to fix something for yourself and then scale it so that it becomes a real viable program for all sorts of military teens. That's amazing. Yeah, I think what they did to me that was most impressive is recognizing the problem and then doing something in the moment. I mean, I can only speak for myself personally, but sometimes when you're going through a tough time, you're getting so consumed by the day-to-day and working on getting yourself out of this thing that you're going through. Well, they looked around and said, this can't just be me. What can we do about it? And I love that. It's so inspiring. It's what we all try to do, but it's hard. And they're only teenagers. Yeah, no, that's parenting a teen right now. It's not easy to get out of your own head. And and even as an adult, it's not easy to get out of your own head, your own space and say, this isn't just me. This isn't just a problem I'm facing. Somebody help me. But wait a second, this is a bigger problem. And if nobody's helping, why not me? Right. And that I don't know that that attitude is is so ingrained in our military and our military kids. I mean, it's why people, I think, join the military in the first place. And, you know, you see that, that the kids of military are the ones really, for the most part, joining the military. So that concept of, if not me, who? If there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. That gives me some hope for our next generation. It gives me some hope, certainly, for our generation of military kids to to say how resilient they are. And how And one of the things that we learned through that survey is that so many military teens plan to serve in the future. So Mm -hmm. 42% of the teens we surveyed said that they do plan to serve. And then half of those teens said that they plan to serve right after high school graduation. And you know, you're a mom of a teen. I'm a mom of a teen. That's that means basically tomorrow. So we're not only talking about military teens. We're talking about our future force. And it is so important that we shine a light on them because they are incredible and they need our support. And sometimes it's just that attention and that understanding. And sometimes it's something bigger. And I know that together we can provide it. That's awesome. So we you talk and you you pull from military spouse stories and and that's how you do your advocacy and that's that 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 is the most powerful advocacy is through individual stories any staffer any congressperson any senator will tell you that those stories are the most meaningful tell me your spouse story mm. how, how did you get here yeah that's a great question i always forget that i have my own spouse story <laughs> and I, maybe i need to be a better advocate in this way So I was a TV news anchor and reporter who didn't really know much about the military community, except for that I worked at an ABC affiliate in eastern North Carolina, and it was the beginning of the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. So I got a very quick lesson into military life and military families and military struggles. I also met and married a Marine at that time, even though all of the advice I got was never marry a Marine. But here we are, you know, 17 years later. Um, but I, I covered the military. I got to know those families and the community became so important to me. We got married, had a baby, and he was medically retired from the Marine Corps after having a spinal surgery. He's doing okay. We live here in DC, but he just wasn't Marine okay. So we moved our life here to be close to family. And we went through that really tough struggle that 
I now talk about in retrospect, but didn't realize what was going on at the time of transition, mm-hmm. going from being a part of the military to transitioning into civilian world, civilian life. We had a tough two years of multiple job changes, multiple house changes, trying to find ourselves in our new world and our new community, came out on the other side and tried a couple of other things, you know, a couple other jobs. And when I found out that National Military Family Association existed, I don't know where it had been all my life. I was (laughs) so excited to jump in. I came and I met with Joyce. She was on the phone with a reporter telling them the business about an issue impacting military families. And I was sold. That was eight years ago. Um, And even though I was a military spouse, I feel like I didn't realize the strength of the community until much later. And that's Mm -hmm. also why I say once a military spouse, always a military spouse, because I have been embraced in so many ways. And I just want to do that same thing for everyone. I want to make sure that I'm reaching that spouse who was like me, didn't really know much about the community to reach them earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I remember when I got married, I, I had dated a military guy once before and was totally not, it it was a rough transition in to that military community for whatever reason. It, you know, he, he happened to be with a, a unit that really didn't like military girlfriends or wives working. And I was in a PhD program at the time mm-hmm. and, you know, his commanding officer said something to the effect of, you know, you, you, I can't believe you're letting your girlfriend get a PhD and, you know, I can't believe you're, you're going to let her work. And to his credit, he said, I don't let her do anything, sir. She does exactly <laughs> what like, I know my girlfriend well enough. But when I when I married my husband and, and we were moving overseas to be part of the military community, I was absolutely terrified because all I knew of the military was kind of the stereotypes of military spouses. And here I am leaving not only, you know, my job and and my home, but my country and going overseas. And I was like, oh, what am I going to find over here? And and I did end up finding this community. We did end up building a community overseas that was a lot of like-minded military spouses who felt like they were in the shadows. And then as soon as we kind of all found each other, we were like, wait, there's more of us than than we thought. There's there's all sorts of ways to be a military spouse. And all of them are valid and all of them are legit. And frankly, a lot of the ones that are very different than me have been have become some of my closest friends and strongest kind of connections. But there was a at least for me, there was an idea of like, oh, this is the way you are a military spouse. And I think over the last 20 years since since I met my husband, that has changed very dramatically too. So I think we've we've all become much more open and accepting of of all sorts of different ways of being in the spouse community and and still being yourself within that spouse community. I mean, you know, all, all sorts of different spouses now, and we look very different. We act very different. It's really neat to see the evolution of the military community and the military spouse community for that. Definitely. It's not it's not a one thing. We're just as diverse, I would say, as the rest of the world. And yet we have this big heart for each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty amazing. I am. It is a community I am happy to be adopted into. So, what's next for NMFA? What's next for what challenges we face? I mean, obviously, you said and and understandably, Ukraine is is on the horizon, and what that entails and what that implies. What what do we what what are you looking at in in the the near term? Well, we're absolutely looking at military teens as such a critical part of this community. As I mentioned, they're the kids who are serving now, you know, not by choice. The adults made these decisions, and yet they serve right alongside their parents and will also be our future force. So this summer, besides our regular Operation Purple programming, which is for all military kids, we are doing some specialized programming for teens and teens alone And then we're also doing some programming for teens and a parent. One of the things that we found out through our survey is that one in 10 military teens needed mental health support, but didn't ask for it because they didn't know how to talk to their parents. That's one of the kids at your bus stop. That's a lot of kids not asking for the help they need when they have a huge job in life serving alongside their military parent. And so we're working on strengthening those communication skills between teens and parents. And really, that's what we do a lot at NMFA is work on the long term strength and stability of each military family, because we don't know what's next. There's so much uncertainty, but we do know that whatever it is, we have to be ready and we have to be ready in a moment's notice. Love that. I love that. Yeah. And and certainly, I think. The last few years have have really hammered home the fact that we don't know day to day what's coming next. So the fact uh-huh. that you guys are nimble and and able to flex to whatever comes up and that you're always there for whatever is coming up is is really meaningful. For sure. So let's make sure that people know exactly how to get a hold of you, of the organization, of all of the different programs within the organization that you run. How how do we make sure they know how to get to you? Please check out militaryfamily.org. You can check out our website, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to be in touch with you, hear more about what you're doing. I always love to hear from military spouses, military family members. So reach out in all the ways. We absolutely will make ourselves available. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, I... I can't tell you how much we appreciate NMFA. Um, we are big supporters uh, from the company perspective as well as from the personal perspective of NMFA because you guys just, you guys are the workhorses of this. You get it done. You take the issues and make sure they are visible in ways that really make change. So thank you for for taking on the, the mantle of the executive director you have have taken this organization to new heights. I know Joyce is incredibly proud of what you've done, and I just can't wait to see what you guys do next. Oh, thank you so much, Lauren. You are an incredible supporter. Thank you to you and your whole company for being behind us. It means the world to us. We can't do any of this without you. Well, you got us. We're we're here, and we will we will always be here to support you. I'm glad that that our listeners can hear a little bit about one of the, the strongest family organizations I've ever seen uh, in the military and what they do so that hopefully they can be uh, a support for, for our listeners as well. So thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me on. 